Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. Today, we're climbing deep into a cave to meet three underground astronauts. Underground astronauts? Like they're in hiding or something? (laughs) No. They're archaeologists on an expedition to find fossils from one of our ancient relatives. But like astronauts in space, they have some pretty special talents and a love of adventure. There we go. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. Oh, great. Uh, Hi, I'm Marina and Becca. (laughs) My name's Becca. And we have Kenny here as well. Yeah, I'm sitting at my desk talking over Skype to Marina Elliott, Becca Pichotto, and Kenny Molipanier. They're part of a team of archaeologists working in South Africa. But it's kind of an unusual interview setup. They're in a cave 30 meters underground. Whoa, that's like 100 feet. Sorry, Lindsay, give us a second while we try to con- get ourselves into a place in the cave that's actually reasonably comfortable and you can see us. <laughs> All right, the challenges of, you know, doing interviews from underground. So um, how do you get Skype in a cave? Is there just like a desktop in there when they got in? It's a, a, a lot of um, wiring and then Wi-Fi. Becca, Marina, and Kenny squeezed together to fit into the screen. They were wearing hard hats with headlamps and pants with reflective tape. They were sitting in what's called the Dinaledi Chamber of the Rising Star Cave System, about 50 miles from Johannesburg. It's the site of a major discovery in the history of humankind, Homo Naledi. Here's Becca. Homo Naledi is a early hominid. We don't know if it's an ancestor or probably more like a cousin. And it's about 250,000 years old. So far, it's only been found in this one cave system in South Africa. Hominid is the name of the group of species that includes modern humans and our extinct relatives like Neanderthals. The caves in this part of South Africa have been a hotbed of hominid discovery for the past hundred years. Homo Naledi was one of the biggest finds ever. They found not just one specimen or one body, but 15. So how did they find this? Was there like a treasure map and a pirate going like, Arr, if you look here, you'll find my buried treasure of a bunch of monkey bones. (laughs) Well, it didn't happen quite like that. Back in 2013, two cavers were exploring the cave system when they found a tiny gap in the cave wall. They squeezed through it into an open chamber, and with the light from their headlamps, they saw bones literally scattered across the surface of the floor. Wow, but if people had been exploring caves in the area for 100 years, how did they miss these fossils just laying out in the open? Well, to say it's hard to get to the Dina Letty chamber would be a total understatement. I'll let Kenny describe how she, Becca, and Marina get there every day. Our first obstacle is the Superman's crawl. Uh, We would get down on our bellies and just wiggle our way through this tunnel. Oh, boy. (laughs) That sounds like... I couldn't do that. (laughs) Yeah, there's lots of small spaces. Superman's crawl is less than 10 inches high. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And that's just the beginning. Next comes a climb up a jagged rock wall. And then you climb up Dragon's Back, jump over Leap of Faith, which is a meter um, distance leap from one point to the next point. 
<laughs> Dragon's Back, Leap of Faith. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> this just sounds like one of the most super intense things a person can do. And then we enter into what I call the crystal chandelier chamber, <laughs> where you like unclip your harness and sort of brace yourself for facing the shoot. This is the gut clenching part, the shoot. It's what kept Dina Letty chamber a secret for hundreds of thousands of years. It's literally a crack in the wall. And the shoot has an 18 centimeter pinch point, which is where you hold your breath, say a little prayer and squeeze through. And then, yeah, then you make it into the chamber, the fossil chamber. Hold on, did you say 18 centimeters? Yes, that's seven inches. That's like the size of two and a half Hot Wheels cars laid end to end. I love that that's your unit of measurement. Isn't that everybody's unit of measurement? Yeah, Yeah. so your entire body has to fit through the space of two and a half Hot Wheels cars. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I can't do that. <laughs> what I really can't imagine, actually, is how someone thought to find this cave. <laughs> it's one of those happy accident kind of things. If the cavers hadn't been tiny people, too, they would never would have found it. But getting there isn't the only challenge. Becca described the other creatures that they encountered on their way to work that morning. There were six or seven bats that we sort of woke up, I suppose, and they were trying very hard to figure out which way they should go to get out of our way. Ah, Not only have I been woken up early, but now I have to sit in traffic, too. Ah, (laughs) What a miserable way to start a bat night. (laughs) Anyhow, once the excavators get down there, they work up to eight hours. So... Okay, like, main question, do they get bathroom breaks? You know, if you decide while you're underground that you need to use the restroom, you have to wait till you get above ground to do that. So you have to plan ahead a little, uh, anticipate your needs so that you can get out through that 18-centimeter gap and through the Superman crawl and everything else. Okay, so, like, crawling through tiny cracks in the wall to look at ancient bones is, like, pretty unusual job. So how do you get it? Well, you answer a Facebook ad to be an underground astronaut. Here's how Kenny described finding the gig. I I was procrastinating, um, just trawling around Facebook and Instagram, and here was this ad, and I was like, I'm going to take it. So, like, what did the ad say? Well, first of all, you need to be small enough to fit through that 18-centimeter hole in a wall. (laughs) First thing was, can you fit through a small hole? (laughs) So you don't just need the body, you need the brains, too. The expedition needed people with skills in excavating fossils and studying them. Here's Marina. Um, You needed to be able to work well in a small team, not be claustrophobic, not be scared of heights, be willing to, you know, fly to South Africa for a month without pay and work underground in a potentially dangerous (laughs) environment. I mean, who wouldn't sign up to work in a dangerous environment for no pay? You'd have to be crazy not to do it. Yeah, I just read Adventure and I was like, yep, you're sold. (laughs) So if you love adventure and don't mind small enclosed spaces, like really, really small enclosed spaces, being an underground astronaut would be like a dream job. Yeah, you get the chance to be part of a huge discovery in early human history. On the original expedition in 2013, Marina and Becca helped collect the first bones of Homo naledi that had ever been studied. 
we excavated just one unit, which was basically 80 centimeters by 80 centimeters by 20 centimeters deep. We took some material off the surface, but all told, we ended up with about 1,500 fossil fragments. Wow, that's incredible, like having a 1,500-piece puzzle with no photo on the box. Yeah, and it was a species that no one had ever seen before. So definitely no photo on the box. (laughs) Scientists carefully constructed 15 skeletons from the 1,500 fossil pieces. Then they were able to imagine what Homo naledi would have looked like while they were alive. Becca kind of painted a picture for me. If you were to see a Homo naledi on the street, you would not think that it looked a lot like us. But it still has a lot in common with humans. It walked on two feet. Its feet, in fact, look an awful lot like ours. It was really short. Even the adults were under five feet tall. On the reconstructions, the head of Homo naledi looks kind of small for its body. Its brain was less than half the size of ours. Its forehead had a steep slope, kind of like an ape. Um, And then it has shoulders that are um, a lot like a gibbon. It also had long, curved fingers like a modern-day monkey. That suggests to us that maybe Homo naledi was still doing lots of climbing in some way. But the bones in its thumbs and wrists suggest that they could have used tools, which is like a really advanced skill for most species. So what does this discovery tell us about humans? Here's what Marina said. You know, the human family tree is a lot bushier than, than people sometimes make it out to be. It's not just a straight line from one ancient hominid species down to us. At the 350 to 250,000 year point, certainly in Africa, you know, anatomically modern humans were already on the landscape. So like we might have had some homo naledis over for a party. (laughs) Or we could have been fighting with them. I mean, maybe both. (laughs) God, we're not inviting the naledis over again. They always smash the table and steal all the fruit. They're not even that good at using spoons. (laughs) Anyhow, scientists are starting to piece together what it would have looked like to have several hominid species on Earth at one time. The fact that we discovered Homo naledi so recently proves that there's still so much out there to find. It's pretty exciting to find a bunch of bones that belong to a creature that hadn't been described before in science. Um, that, you know, nobody had ever seen before. So if they were able to construct Homo naledi from that first expedition, why do they keep coming back to the cave? That's a really good question, and here's Marina's answer. I think it's really important not just to, you know, bring these initial fossils up and go, okay, we know all about Homo naledi, because we really don't. In other words, they want to know what more there is to discover. And there are definitely more fossils left. We've already hit quite a lot of bone. So what are they hoping to find out? I mean, one of the, I think, the the big questions is why and how were they getting into this deep area of the cave? The big mystery is how Homo naledi ended up in a place that's nearly impossible to access. Maybe there was an easier entrance to the cave that, you know, closed up sometime in the last 250,000 years. That's definitely a possibility that they're exploring. But how did so many bones end up there? There's no evidence that Homo naledi actually lived in the cave. No plants, no other bones of other animals, no nothing. Here's the best idea scientists have. The Dinaledi chamber was actually a burial ground. We're still working on the hypothesis that Homo naledi was deliberately bringing its dead into this very difficult to access space. 
Um, you know, we've been at it for five years now and we haven't found a better explanation. Many scientists don't believe that such a small brain species could have had funerals. That's part of the reason why Marina, Becca, Kenny, and others keep looking for more fossils that might give us more clues to the mystery. You don't sort of find the answer and that's the end of it and you can kind of wash your hands and go home. Every time we come out, we find something new and every time we find something new, we revise our you know, ideas based on the new evidence. So the whole funeral idea could be buried by the new fossils they find. Yeah, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pun. Yeah, and that would be scientific progress to have a completely new idea in maybe just a few years. Okay, so how does one, not me, but someone, become an underground <laughs> astronaut? Just spend like a lot of time procrastinating on social media. That's one aspect. The other part is to actually get out there and do stuff. All three women told me that they couldn't have predicted that they'll be sitting in a cave, digging up precious fossils, and doing podcast interviews. But they all had adventurous experiences that somehow led them there. Marina had this advice. Try everything and anything. Try things you think you'll like. Try things you think you might not like. Do it safely, but be curious and get out there. Kenny, do you have anything you want to add? Adventure! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to all the awesome women I spoke to in the Dinaletti chamber. Dr. Marina Elliott, researcher at the University of the Witzwatersrand in South Africa and lead excavator of the Rising Star Expedition. She's also in charge of the field crew. Dr. Becca Pichotto is the director of the Center for Exploration of the Human Journey at the Perot Museum in Dallas, Texas. In the cave, she's an excavator. Canelo Molipiane is getting her PhD at the University of Witzwatersrand and was a trainee on the Rising Star Expedition. To find out more about Homo Naledi and the Rising Star Expeditions, visit our blog at sciencepodcastforkids.com. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I wrote and produced this episode. 